the Colby Daniels Podcast. We are back. It is UFC pay-per-view week. I am Colby Daniels, along with my co-host, Will Brewer. Uh, two fight cards left in 2021, Will. Uh, we had a brief hiatus uh, a couple weeks ago. No fight card. Last week, due to circumstances out of my control, uh, we weren't able to do an episode, but we still got our picks in. We will break all of that down. We will preview UFC 269. But first of all, it's good to see you, man. How are you? Uh, man, uh, this, this break, it's been, it's been crazy, man. I think something's happened during this break. Uh, I don't know if it's my mind. I don't know if I'm not as locked in as I once was, but, uh, man, this, the break wasn't good for me, um, point wise. But I mean, outside of, outside of that, you know, Thanksgiving was good. Um, watching good football, you know, everything with the holidays, you know, it's a good time, but, uh, just this whole break, it kind of yeah. it kind of got to me. I, I think I had too much turkey, too much cake. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I, I've been I've been off my game a little bit. Well, you know what? You have two weeks to rebound before uh, one of us has to take a shoey. And uh, look, I'm feeling some positive momentum, man. It's it's been a nice two weeks for me. I will tell you that uh, the last time we did an episode, there have been two fight cards since then. The last time we did an episode, I wasn't sure whether you were up by 13 or 14, and I, I was not able to figure that out, but I'm going to give you the point there, and I'm going to say I was down 14. Uh, I scored four points uh, two weeks ago, another four points this week. So we're down to a six-point lead, Will, going into a pay-per-view fight where uh, the main event and the co-main event are five-point fights, three points for the main card fights and the prelims that we're going to select. Uh, a lot of points up for grabs this weekend. So two weeks ago, I didn't even think it would be possible for me to catch you before the final fight card. I could not only catch you, but maybe have a lead going into the final fight card. That's how the pendulum has swung, my friend. And that's why you're slumped down. You're, I mean, everything about you is different right now. What's going on? Oh, man. The last two weeks. Oh, my gosh. These last two fight cards, man. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy. I think what, what happened was we didn't do we didn't do a show so I wasn't as locked in so my picks were a little lackadaisical yeah. a little lazy you know I think if had had we done the show I mean, you know I would have talked myself out of doing any bad decisions just you know I ramble sometimes and you know sometimes I'm just doing that so I can formulate a a, a pick in my head right. I wasn't able to do that this time so I I'm kind of just in my head and yeah it it it, it wasn't good for me these last two weeks but I think I think you know it was just good because it, we had to make it interesting you know uh, going into these last two weeks, there's no there's no sense of me having such a big lead. I think the uh, the MMA gods and the and the uh, pick the betting lords or whatever they they just wanted this to be close. So I think that's all it is. I, you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> if that's what it was, I will absolutely take it because I'm within striking distance. And I kind of thought that uh, two weeks ago it was going to take a hail mary, an Aaron Rodgers like hail mary, for me to have a chance at this thing. And here we are, man. I mean, I, I guess like what we can equate this to, you're, you're a basketball player to, you know, you have a, a certain routine when you go to the free throw line, right? Like maybe it's two dribbles and then you spin the ball and then you shoot it without having the podcast last week. You didn't get your two dribbles and your spin. They just gave you the ball and said, shoot, disrupted routine thrown completely off. So, uh, look, I, I will, uh, I would love to gloat, but I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just, if, if it is the luck of the gods, I'm taking it. That's just what I'm telling myself okay, because I, I, that's what I'm telling myself because I've, I've really and we'll get into it, but I've really made some boneheaded uh, decisions uh, these last two weeks, and uh, it's 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 bit me in the butt. So uh, you know I got to take it, I got to take it in stride, and we just you know there's there's two more weeks to make up for it. Um, so 
we're here and uh we got we got another chance yeah we, we definitely do um i am i am not ready for the break between december 18th uh, which is the final fight card of 2021, and January 15th, which is our first fight card in 2022. I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves over that period. I mean, at least we'll have uh, you know college football playoff games and, and the beginning of the NFL playoffs, but uh, man, what a long stretch it's going to be. And look, we're talking about the point structure here. Uh, we'll get into the fight cards uh, that, that passed uh, in a moment, but uh, headline standpoint, you know, we haven't we haven't been able to catch up in a couple of weeks. Uh, what's standing out to you this week? Oh man, I I didn't think there was any headlines. I think uh, I've been living under a rock for the last two. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, man, um, I think the of course one of the biggest things that stood out to me was uh, the Islam and Benil Dariush fight getting booked. Yes. I mean that uh, that's as good as it gets at 155. A lot of um, questions regarding Islam. Is Benil Dariush the guy? Uh, that can present any type of problems for Islam. I think stylistically, you would think that Benil has some has some things that will give Islam problems. But you know, Islam is such a he's such a tank. You know, I mean, yeah. everything that Benil uh, brings to the table, he may not even have a chance to to bring to the table because Islam is that dominant. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be a, a pretty awesome fight, and the fact that it's five rounds, um, I think it's going to play a factor. I don't think there's anybody that even comes close to Islam on the ground in that division. And I would say Benil Dariush probably offers the most resistance from a skill standpoint, but I don't think the skill is close on the ground. But what I will say is, I think from just a pure strength standpoint on the ground, Benil Dariush is probably the one guy that just physically, you know, skill aside, won't get completely manhandled by Islam on the ground. Like, I think he's big enough, strong enough if it goes to the mat that strength-wise he can at least put up a good enough fight where, you know, if Islam gets you down, it's not like a, we set a timer for 60 seconds um, anticipating a finish coming very shortly. So I, I think he's he is stylistically the most difficult matchup in the entire division for Islam Mahashev. Now, that also doesn't necessarily mean it's a win, but, uh, you know, this this to me stylistically will be the most that Islam will be pushed. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes when, it, when there's a guy that's as dominant as Islam has been, it, it takes a guy who's kind of like has that, fuck it attitude right yeah and we've seen benil in in firefights and we've seen benil be very technical we've seen a lot of uh championship um uh intangibles from from benil darius in, in in these in these last few uh fights and the fact that benil is is pretty good everywhere uh he can take this fight wherever and be comfortable i think that present that brings islam some problems and he's a solid 155er um he's 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 pretty yeah he's pretty solid i, I mean i'm not gonna I'm not going to say Islam is not going to have any problems bringing him down, but, you know, there's a difference between Dan Hooker and a, a guy who's coming up from featherweight to, to yes. lightweight, and, and then there's Benil Dariush, who's been a solid 155-er for, for years. So, um, But with that being said, Islam has been able to take down everyone he, he's been in the octagon with, so I'm sure the size isn't going to have a, isn't going to be much of an issue. But uh, the fact that Benil is able to uh, take this fight wherever and be comfortable, even, even when Islam is on top, because I'm sure there's going to be a point where Islam is on top, uh, Benil is a, is a black belt in jujitsu, so that's it's going to be dangerous as long as Islam uh, is on is on the ground with them. So, um, like you said, stylistically, it's as good as it gets uh, for, of an opponent for Islam and Benil Darius. Uh, the other big match that was made, I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, Jan Blahovich and uh, Alexander Rakic will headline Saturday, March twenty sixth. Yeah, man, two uh, o five, man. It's starting to get um, it's starting to really take shape, man, and. Uh, Blahovich coming off that loss to Glover, um, 
you know, the division is pretty wide open. Alexander Rakic, a young, uh, tall, uh, very talented guy. And Jan, who's been, who was the champion, uh, really carried the, the division through the pandemic and, uh, you know, lost to Glover, but I still think he is a player at uh, 205. He's still someone that you got to get through in, in route to the title. And Rackage feels like he's one fight away. And uh, what better fight than the guy who was the former champion? So um, this is a big one at 205. I think the, ne- the guy who wins this one is going to be next after Yuri. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we uh, start uh, revisiting uh, the last two weeks, I don't know if you saw Hamza Shemaev tweet uh, this. I think it was it, this might have been two weeks ago. I've been saving it just to bring it up on the podcast, but... Hamza Chemayev posted a picture of Brock Lesnar and said something along the lines of lock us in the cage and, and uh, only one man walks out. Man, I think that just goes to show how crazy. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't actually think that Brock would uh, would get into the cage with him. But I mean, just the fact that he has that mindset of I'll call out anybody, I'll fight anybody. I mean, you just got to love it. I mean, it just plays into the character that that Hamza is building. Um and then you have Dana, who's who's completely backing him 100% in the media, saying that nobody wants to fight him. Uh, I don't completely think that's true, but uh, I think it just plays into the the, yeah. the character of, of Hamza, man. I think they're really they have a star, and they know they have a star, and they're and they're really want they want to be really careful with the next guy that they put into the octagon with them. I think they're really being picky on who they uh, put him in the octagon with. I think there's only a few choices who they really want to get him in there with. Yeah. But th- but I'm sure that there's guys. Um, not even ranked. They don't have to be ranked in the top three or top five. There's guys who are ranked who will fight uh, Hamzat. Uh, they're just not uh, pulling the trigger on it. It's and just not a I money think, fight. That's the problem. Exactly because yeah. you want you you have to you have to build Hamzat smart, and uh, they've been doing it very perfect uh, up to this point. And uh, for his next one, you want him to to really get up to that upper echelon. So you can't just put him in there with just anybody. Yeah. Uh, it has to be someone who really uh, elevates Hamzat's name for sure. Uh, earlier today, I saw Aaron Bronstetter tweet that uh, Dana White confirmed the UFC is currently having conversations with Kayla Harrison. Wow, I didn't I didn't know that. Um, well, I, you know, she's always going to be able to make more money outside of the UFC. Uh, the PFL, $1 million in these tournaments. Uh, Bellator, I'm sure, will be able to offer her uh, a lot of money, especially if they do like a Grand Prix type thing and, you know, with a million dollars on the line. But... Uh, and Dana's always said this, and I think it's it's just been a ploy to try to get Kayla uh, to the UFC. But he's always said if, if Kayla really wants to prove that she's the best in the world, uh, she has to fight in the UFC. And that's that is true. If she really wants to prove that she's the best in the world, uh, she has to fight in the UFC. And uh, there's no better competition in her weight class than um, what the UFC has, because the UFC has Amanda Nunes and uh, nobody else does. So, yeah. uh, you know, Kayla's. Kayla's proven that she's dominant. I mean, I don't really think that there's much more that she really has to do. I think, you know, you you could uh, sign her and immediately put her in a fight with Amanda Nunes, but I'm sure that they're going to uh, put give her a fight before just to just to see. And, I mean, the gap between everybody and Amanda is so crazy that, I mean, I'm sure the gap between everybody and Kayla Harrison is pretty uh, substantial as well. So uh, just one fight in the UFC, and then I'm sure that, that we'll be seeing uh, Amanda Nunes and Kayla Harrison if uh, they're able to sign her. That'd be awesome. Uh, all right, uh, two weeks ago, um, a UFC fight night featuring Caitlin Vieta and Misha Tate was the headliner. Um, Sean Brady also beat Michael Chiesa in the co-main event. Those were the two fights that uh, gave us any sort of point differential that night. Uh, any any uh, big takeaways? I was actually pretty surprised. Uh, well, I'll start with Brady and Chiesa. I was pretty surprised at how... Sean Brady was able to control Michael Chiesa. You know, we haven't really seen anybody do that to Chiesa. And granted, he hasn't fought he hasn't fought anyone who's got the type of uh, grappling skills that uh, that Brady has. 
Kies is normally the one who initiates the grappling, who, who has the grappling advantage and everything. But yeah, I didn't expect um, to see uh, Kiesa being taken down over and over again. Um, but, you know, Kiesa had some moments uh, on the feet, but just uh, Sean Brady's control uh, throughout the fight was just, it was really surprising. And, uh, you know, Kiesa did have him hurt there at the end, but uh, Brady was able to, you know, stay stay with it um, and eventually, you know, get to the decision. And uh, I did feel like he won. It was it was a close fight, but um, I did feel like he won. So Brady's undefeated, man. And, uh, you know, he's in that conversation when it comes to, you know, guys who could potentially fight for the title. I think he's, uh, I don't know if he's top uh, six or seven. I think he's top six or seven. But, yeah, he's in the discussion. He's going to have a big fight coming up next. I, uh, I was kind of surprised to see how much better Kiesa was in the stand-up than Brady. Because I, I didn't think that, I, I thought Brady probably small edge in my mind going into that fight stand-up. But uh, I, I thought it was pretty noticeable, at least to me. I thought Kiesa was clearly the better guy on the feet. Yeah, yeah. Kiesa was, he was tagging him. And he was actually being kind of creative with his strikes. Yeah. I think he got comfortable. And uh, he knew that he had the advantage. So that was surprising to me. I, I would have agreed with you. I would have thought that Brady would have had the um the the advantage in the in the stand-up and i would have thought that uh brady would want to keep it standing but he was the one that was initiating the grappling and he was actually having a lot of success so it, it was very, it was a very surprising fight but uh it, it was a very good fight and uh it, it showed that sean brady's a player man uh i thought that he would have some trouble with kies's link which he did in the striking but it didn't really matter when it came to when it came to the grappling so uh, Brady's a player, man. After the main event, did you feel like Caitlin Vieta either proved that she is a contender or did you feel like Misha Tate in any way disappointed? And, and I don't know, what did you feel strongly one way or the other about the win or the defeat? So that one was a weird one. I, you know, I didn't really feel like either either way, you know, I didn't feel yeah. strongly about uh, Caitlin's win or Misha's loss. I, I actually felt like I was very impressed with what Misha Tate did out there. Um, I think she was very improved in the stand-up. Just her defense was a little. Um, I think she could uh, make improvements on her defense, but you know her stance, uh, her her ability to manage distance. Uh, I think it was very improved from when uh, she fought before her retirement. Um, but I think that she definitely had a route to win uh, with her grappling. But we never saw we never saw it. I mean, she was actually comfortable in a stand-up fight. And if I would have known that this was going to be five rounds of a stand-up fight, I definitely wouldn't have picked Misha Tate. Right. But um, I thought that Misha was going to use a lot of grappling and really tire her out. But uh, Kayla was able to keep it standing. And, you know, we saw the fight that we saw. But I was really impressed with how um, Misha was able to to withstand all that punishment for five rounds. Uh, and she, she you know, landed some good kicks. Um, her, her stand-up is very improved. But I think that in a fight like that, she needed to mix it up with uh, with some grappling. And she wasn't able to do that. Yeah. So last Saturday, uh, UFC Fight Night, Aldo Font. Uh, your selections were Rob Font, Rafael Faziv, Jimmy Crute, uh, Leonardo Santos, Brendan Allen, and Alex Morono. Mine were Josie Aldo, Rafael Faziv, Jimmy Crute, Clay Guida, Brendan Allen, and Alex Morono. So we were only on the opposite side of two fights. Um, that, was, that was actually my original picks, but I had circled Jimmy Crute, Jamal Hill, as a potential, like if you had gone Clay Guida as well, that might have been one that I was willing to gamble on. Uh, if, you know, just trying to make up this point differential. Uh, but I genuinely had Clay Guida uh, beating Santos. I genuinely had Aldo beating Font. And when you said Font on the on the text message, I like jumped up in the air because I, I really wanted Aldo in this one. But I, I thought for the sake of points, I was going to have to go the other way. 
no matter what you did, but I, I truly believe this was Aldo's fight. Um, and we'll talk about the fight in a second. But the only one that I really felt like there might be an opportunity to go opposite you uh, was was Jamal Hill and Jimmy Crute. And uh, I picked Jimmy Crute because we were already on the opposite side of four points. So I thought, narrow the gap a little bit more. Don't take an unnecessary risk. And, uh, you know, Jamal Hill ultimately wins. But um, let's start with the main event. Uh, Rob Font, Josie Aldo, this was an awesome fight. Before before I uh, break down the, the main event, let me just get. I, I really want. I, I really wanted to come on here and really uh, tell you this. Okay. Um, my original picks, um, were, and this is no lie. Um, I, I wish I had something to swear on, but these were my original picks. I I originally had Alex Morono. Okay. Brendan Allen. Okay. Clay Guida. Okay. Jamal Hill. Okay. Rafael Vasiev, and Jose Aldo. Right. So. In my in my mind, and this is why I would have loved to do the show because to talk me out of a bad decision. This was an easy fight for me to pick Aldo, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, this is five rounds. You know, yeah. is Aldo going to be able to hold up? Is his body? You know, we've seen what happened with Peter Yan. Rob Font has power, so I'm just playing all these scenarios in my mind, and it just, I was like, you know what? I think I think I'm just going to go fine. You know, whatever. And then I went, I went Santos just to be on the on on the opposite end because I, I figured that we would have a lot of similar picks. So I, I went Santos because I was like, you know, I think this one I, I'm safe on. But I picked, I was going to pick Jamal Hill, but I was like, man, I don't, I just don't think that Hill's going to be able to have a chance to to really unleash on on the striking because Jimmy Cruz just going to be shooting. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to pick Jimmy Cruz. And all those picks, man, like I knew the night was going bad when Santos was was literally. We'll talk about that. But anyways, yeah. so I thought that Font had a really smart game plan uh, in terms of being active. It, it reminded me a little bit of Aljo and Peter Yan, which I thought Aljo's game plan was smart. It was just um, poorly executed. And I think Ralph Font was, was in route to, to having a smart uh, game plan and everything and uh, executing it well. It's just that uh, Aldo's power uh, in comparison to Ralph Font's power on this night was just a, uh, was just a big game. Uh, in in the favor of Aldo, and uh, when Aldo was able to land, it was really having an effect on Rob Font, and Rob Font's shots wasn't having an effect on Aldo. I think uh, as the round started to pile on, I think Aldo was getting tired, but uh, Font was just finding himself in bad positions, and Aldo was able to get uh, takedowns, and he wasn't doing much, but he was just able to solidify the round by being on top. So, um, props to Aldo, man. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think that this move to 135 was a, was a good idea because he could barely make 145. But I mean, he's really uh, came into form in this division. Um, I think his last three fights have really shown that he's uh, that he's all in. And he's really a player at 135, man. Uh, I, I think uh, in a rematch with Peter Yan, I I kind of see it going a little similar because of uh, just the um, how I think his all those gas tank has always been a problem with these guys who are who are very durable, um, but. Uh, Aldo has definitely shown improvements. Uh, he went to the leg kicks when he uh, when he uh, in a, at a really good time in the fight, and uh, you know I think he just really put it all together. I think uh, this is the best Aldo that we've seen in a while. So uh, man, King of Rio, man, did, did it again. Yeah, I think it's a similar outcome if if there were a Yawn rematch. But I, I would offer just the fact that I mean I, I feel like he's kind of discovered himself and figured out his body at this weight, maybe more than he had at that point in time. Um, look, I picked Aldo in this fight for one reason and one reason only, and I thought I, I thought there would be a power differential 
Now, I didn't think that the power differential would be nearly as glaring as what it ended up being. I mean, the, the impact on Aldo shots versus the impact on font shots was pretty significant. And, you know, the other thing I thought was interesting, Will, the leg kicks from Aldo, like he didn't do it for a while. And then we had that one round where he really chopped at the leg. And I, I mean, he beat up. Rob Fawn in that round with those leg kicks. And then he never really went back to it. And you could tell it significantly impacted Font. And, you know, Aldo was the king of that for the longest time. Uh, but I, I, it was kind of strange to me that he didn't do it at all, then had that one round where he just really beat up the leg and then didn't really go back to it. But the power differential was why I picked this fight. And I was still even shocked watching the, the, the distance between the two guys' power in terms of just how impactful Aldo's shots were over Font's. Yeah, I was definitely surprised at that, man. I, I, I thought that the power advantage was would have been was, was close, and I thought that you know Rob Font w- would have been able to land something that could have changed the fight, like what Peter Yan did, what like what uh, uh, Volkanovski and Max Holloway and these guys w- were able to do to uh, to Aldo. But uh, it was the other way around, man. Um, and, and and the leg kicks, man. He went to him. I mean, his corner was calling for it. I think in that fourth round, his corner was calling for it, and he went to it. Um, being a being a good player or a good student, listening to his coaches, um, it was it was something that he w- was a was the king of, like you said, uh, in the, when he came from the WEC. Um, I, I, Faber, I mean, there was a picture of Ryan Faber's leg, and it was all brown and blue. It was it was crazy what Otto did to his legs, and um, I think that maybe a part of that is just um, throwing so much into your leg kicks uh, and having that much effect. Maybe that was something that was making Aldo tired uh, because, you know, he's had this reputation for ever since he's gotten UFC. You know, like Dana always said, like the, in the first two rounds of any fight, Jose Aldo is the greatest fighter ever. But those it's those last three rounds that you always have to worry about. Him in. And it, even to this day, it's still like that. But Aldo has went to a camp where it's more boxing based and he's and he's been focused on his boxing a lot more. But his his leg kicks, when he's able to when he's able to get to him, there's they still can change the course of a fight. And that's what it did. Uh, on Saturday, man, Aldo is still the real deal with his kicks, and he doesn't need to use them all the time. But he just needs to find that, that right time to use them, and he and he definitely did that with Font. I uh, I would love to see Aldo Dillashaw. Yeah, you know, I think um, if if Sterling and Jan is going to happen, which it looks like it is, uh, I think Dillashaw. You know, I don't think he wants to wait. I think that's that's the fight, Dillashaw Aldo. Um, for all that these guys have done, they're, they're with their legacies and everything. This is a great fight. This is a, a, a money fight. Um, Aldo, the king of the featherweight division for years. Uh, Dillashaw was the king of the bantamweight division for years. There's there's a lot of people who think that TJ is the greatest bantamweight of all time. And now Aldo's here. I mean, I think the, yeah. the fight sells itself, man, uh, especially for the hardcore fans. This fight sells itself. I would love to see it. Uh, co-main event, Rafael Faziv uh, versus Brad Riddell, two former training partners. I loved this fight when we first heard the matchup. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I, I briefly entertained the idea of picking Brad Riddell, but where I landed, Will, was just Brad Riddell's a very tough, durable dude, but Rafael Faziv is so creative and diverse with his attack that that's ultimately what won out for me in terms of picking Faziv. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and when it comes to striking, they're both very, very talented. But I think that um, I've seen firefights, and I've seen him uh, be able to withstand the power that's been that and to just give it back. And in that fight, uh, it was got it, but uh, it just seemed like Steve was was, was way more comfortable. Um, Riddell landed some 
that looked huge. I, I, I remember texting back, man. His back looked uh, incredible. Uh, but, it, you know, back and forth, it just seemed like he had just pop, and he was like, it seemed like he was just a little bit more sure of himself. And uh, he went for that kick that uh, eventually ended it a few times in the fight. Then uh, towards the end there, he he actually was uh, got it. To, it was a perfect shot. And you know, we give Herb Dean a lot of shit. I mean, we, there was a, uh, we were like, you know, Herb needs to take a break from repping <laughs> and all this stuff. That was a good call to stop that fight because yeah. after that spinning kick, uh, yeah, like he, he was froze on the and I'm glad that he stopped it because uh, you don't need for Dale to take any more shots. So um, uh, for all the shit to give Herb Dean, I mean, that was savage by Herb. Jamal Hill, Jimmy Crute, um, you said that originally you were picking Jamal Hill. I entertained the idea of going with Jamal Hill, uh, but after we already had two different fights, I was going with the guy that I, I uh, felt like was going to win the fight. And, and it was just really more that felt like Jimmy Crute is more well-rounded. Uh, but, you know, Jamal Hill, there have been people, you know, with all these boxing conversations within the sport, like who's the best boxer in the UFC? There have been people that have made the claim that Jamal Hill is as good a boxer as anybody in the UFC, and that was uh, 100% on display. Uh, I mean, I, I, I thought that Jimmy Crew was going to be able to give him a chance uh, to finish his boxing and, and his striking. Uh, and, and, and Jamal Hill fought OSP. I was very impressed with his striking. And I thought that a similar thing was going to happen with Paul Craig, but, you know, Paul Craig was able to get him down, and we saw what we saw. It was, it was uh, happening to me. So I, when, I, when I was fighting, I was like, yo, Jimmy Crute is more well-rounded. He, he took down Anthony Smith pretty easily. He's got submission wins. So um, I thought that Jimmy Crute was going to be able to get this fight to the ground, but it seemed like uh, Jamal Hill was prepared for any shot that uh, Jimmy Crute was going to attempt. Uh, it seemed like Jimmy Crew was going to uh, take a shot in, and then J- Jamal Hill just came with that overhand right and and uh, and stumbled uh, Jimmy Crew. You know, the people saying that it was the back of the head, but you know, I I think that's it, it's tough to really see from an angle like that. Um, but you know, when 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 a shot like that lands behind the ear, it has that effect. I haven't really seen a shot land like behind the head that actually has an effect yeah. like that. So I think that was just a perfectly placed shot by Jamal Hill, and then he ended up getting the finish uh, on the next shot. I mean, it was just uh, an incredible performance. Um, what would you like to see next for uh, Jamal Hill? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, that's a division where I, I feel like uh, you you just have so much flexibility versus maybe where we were in that division a couple years ago. Uh, I just kind of right. felt like it was old and tired to a degree. And um, I think, you know, Johnny Walker is a name that I think they even threw it out in the broadcast uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then, look, Jamal Hill called out Paulo Costa Sign me up for Jamal Hill, Paulo Costa. That would be an awesome fight. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when there's when there's a guy who calls out people, sometimes they don't really they don't really hit. But um, Jamal Hill with his two callouts, he definitely hit. I would love to see him fight uh, Paulo Costa. I would love to see him fight Johnny Walker. Both of those fights makes a ton of sense, and both of those fights stylistically uh, would be bangers. I would love yeah. to see them. You know, three rounds, five rounds. Just sign me up. Those are two really really fun matchups. Ryan Spann, another one. I, I think, and you know, oh, you kind of look at. That, that range yeah. of fighters between, like, 8 and 15, I think there's a number of guys that, that stylistically would make a great fight. Yeah, and, and then when you talk about boxing, I mean, Dominic Reyes is up there, too. Um, there you, you go. Know, he's, he, you know, Dominic Reyes has... I mean, I'm sure that there's people who be uh, begging for him. To, there's, there's a lot of now in the 8-15 range and even outside of that. So, you know, 205 is really 
All right, uh, I do have to on this uh, on this December Wednesday, December eighth. I do need to wish Clay Guida a happy fortieth birthday. Uh, Will I turned forty uh, three days ago? So I'm three days older than Clay Guida, and the thought of me being in an octagon at this point in my life is crazy. Clay Guida getting a win days before his fortieth birthday. Holy cow! Man, and and then just in the manner that it that it happened, it's it's complete. Clay Guida fashion, yeah. you know, um, Santos really landed a perfect body kick and uh, landed a knee that dropped him. Uh, and he really emptied the tank to try to finish the fight. And it was very telling, like when they got back up and Santos took that big, deep breath and Clay Guida's just bouncing around. I was like, oh, yeah, this fight's over. I mean, he completely <laughs> gassed himself out and Clay Guida's just he's here for it, man. There was no way that uh, he was going to survive another two rounds. Uh, you could just see like his movement was different. And Clay Guida was just still, um, you know, pushing forward, uh, putting the pressure on him. And, yeah, uh, props to Clay Guida, man. At 40 years old, still doing it. You know, he was around when I first started watching the sport. Yeah. Um, one of the good guys in the sport, man. Just, you know, it's always good uh, to see a guy like Clay Guida, Clay Guida get a win, man. And, uh, you know, he's he's talked about wanting to fight at UFC 300. I think that he'll – I think he could potentially get there, man. <laughs> yeah, you're away. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Uh, he just, I mean, you just want to fight for crying out loud. If he doesn't fight again for a year, like, there you go, UFC 300. Right. Uh, speaking of likable guys, dude, I am a Chris Curtis fan, officially. Cool. Chris Curtis fan. Uh, this guy, finally, after years of work, he's been called a journeyman. Uh, you know, he took offense to that the other night on the broadcast. Uh, gets his opportunity, has shown up in a big way in back-to-back performances in a very short amount of time. I don't know anybody that even entertained the idea that Chris Curtis was going to win this fight. Brendan Allen is a very good, well-rounded mixed martial artist. And uh, once again, Chris Curtis gets it done. I, I was so happy for the guy in the aftermath of that fight. Man, look, uh, I'm, I was one of those people who was just like, yeah, that that Phil Haas fight, that was just a good shot. Phil, ha- <laughs> right. Phil Haas didn't take him serious. You know, I, I was putting it more on Phil Haas than really giving Chris Curtis credit. But after this fight, I don't think that there is any excuses you know you really have to acknowledge uh, the talent that, and the power that chris curtis possesses man um uh you know brendan allen like you said he's very well well-rounded i thought that uh i thought going in that there would be a, a size discrepancy uh just like with phil haas i thought there would be some size a size discrepancy and i thought brendan allen would use that use length uh but it was kind of uh, they were kind of fighting in a phone booth and uh chris curtis has some unreal power man he's a and, welterweight uh, fighting at middleweight right like yeah, is that what exactly. I heard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he he's been fighting the welterweight for his entire career. He's had some fights where he's bounced up and down, but um, yeah, he's mostly a, a welterweight. And I thought that there would be a big uh, size difference, but I mean, he's really just uh, nipped that in the butt from from the jump, man. Knocking out two uh, bigger guys, uh, taller guys, and you know, making it look pretty easy, man. So, yeah. uh, props to Chris Curtis, man. I'm interested to see what's what's next for him. But he's a guy who's who's wanting to take on anybody at any time. He's one of those guys that Dana White would love to would love to have so um yeah man props to chris curtis man i'm not gonna underestimate you ever again yeah that was awesome um all right ufc 269 on saturday night will final pay-per-view of 2021 it also coincidentally is your birthday so the question is are you gonna are you gonna take in ufc 269 live on your birthday or do you have other plans and you'll have to rewatch later man had this been a fight night or something, you know, maybe I would have considered, you know, doing other things. But, you know, 
my birthday is revolved around UFC 269, man. I got love it. I I've got to have the fights on. I love uh, it. I got to be in front of the TV. There's no better way. Uh, I'll probably have some cake here or something, man. Um, I'm a big red velvet cake person, so probably I'm sure that there's gonna be some cake here, some pizza wings, whatever the case nice. is. And um, yeah, I gotta watch UFC 269, man. I I was I was very close to uh, to being there live. But um, it didn't end up happening, so um, we'll be in front of the TV. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I love the fact that you are going to spend your birthday watching it, though. That, that warms my heart. Uh, all right, I, I would assume, so we're going to do three prelim picks. I, I meant to text you earlier in the day and got busy and never got around to it, but I assume that you're on board with Josh Emmett, Danny Gay, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, and Augusto Sakai tied to Ivasa as our prelims. The only other one that I thought might be a possibility was uh, Alex Perez, Matt Schnell. We're not going to show Miranda Maverick any love. I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm giving Miranda <laughs> Maverick love. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily know if uh, that matchup, not not because of Miranda Maverick, but maybe the matchup as a whole would would be better than the others. Yeah, yeah I, I was just joking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely uh, on board with those three uh, prelim fights. I mean, th- those are three fights that could absolutely be on this main card. So yeah, definitely those three uh, prelim fights. Uh, I, a little disappointed that. Uh, on this main card, we're, we're ultimately, because I'm looking at the poster right now, we're not going to get Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, which would have been, I mean, when you look at where this card is already, icing on the cake is to have game bread, Leon Edwards, bad blood, uh, you know, all the reasons that you love fights, right? Like, these guys don't like each other, so they're finally going to settle it with their fists. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to take place. I, I will say this. I love the fact that um, Dustin Poirier has essentially spent, like, the last month uh, basically fighting all the narratives that he's going to walk to a championship and everybody downplaying Charles Oliveira. Uh, he has, this week especially, been very boisterous that this is a very real threat and this guy is absolutely going to show up and is a problem. And, and this is in no way going to be a cakewalk to the, to the belt, which I think the general media is kind of, kind of uh, propping it up that way, aren't they? Yeah, not only the media, but uh, even some fighters, man. When you see uh, guys like Gaethje and, and Chandler when they talk about this fight, because you know everyone's wondering who you think's gonna win out of Oliveira and Poirier. Uh, a lot of these fighters say, you know, Dustin just has that dog in him, and I've seen Charles Oliveira break, you know. Uh, so, you know, a lot, a lot of the media, a lot of the fighters, you know, they're kind of just, you know, picking Dustin, and they kind of just seem like Charles is gonna break, but. Um, if I'm Dustin, I'm, that's the right mindset to have. Uh, yeah. You have to have the mindset that this is uh, a very dangerous guy. He is the champion for a reason. Uh, he's on a uh, he's on a crazy win streak now. I forget what it is. It's like six or seven fights now, uh, and he's really he's a different guy than he was uh, previously, man. I, I think since he's got the blonde hair, um, started wearing the shades and everything, you know, uh, he's a different guy, man. And you know, it showed in that Tony Ferguson fight, the Kevin Lee fight, and, and then of course in the Michael Chandler fight. You know, I think when people say that he's going to break, you know, I think Charles Oliveira has shown, shown in that last fight with Chandler that he's got Absolutely. heart, you know. That was that fight. He was seconds away from getting finished, but he stayed the course and uh, in the next round ended up getting to finish himself. So, you know, Charles Oliveira, I think he's a different fighter, and, and I think people are going to have to start looking at him in a different light, especially if he wins. But I think this is the fight that really shows people um, that he's that guy. So we'll see, man. Yeah, look, I mean – we're all different people than we were five years ago. And this idea that we're still holding Charles Oliveira to the standard that he used to be. I mean, clearly the guy has evolved and you know, you can say like, if you have that in you, you always have it in you, but people turn corners and people, you know, have those light bulb moments. And you know, there, there are people that, that are underdogs their whole life. And then, you know, when, when it all kind of lines up and they figure it out, 
they become different people. So yeah, I, I think this is an awesome fight. I can't wait to, uh, to make our picks and watch this thing play out. But, um, yeah, I just want to throw it out there. Like I, it kind of seems like everybody's positioning for this to be a blowout, which uh, I, I'm anticipating an awesome, awesome fight. All right, uh, let's begin. Will, six-point lead in your favor. We have a total of what? Uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong fight card. We have a total of eight fights to pick, five on the main card, three prelims, and our prelims begin in the heavyweight division. We have Augusto Sakai, 15-3-1 overall. Mr. Shuey himself, I don't know if it's a good or bad omen, whoever gets uh, Mr. Shuey in this situation, tied to Ivasa, 13-3 and three overall. How about this for odds? Uh, Oddshark.com has this at minus 110, minus 110. You know, that's another thing with these fights these last few weeks, man. Like, these fights have been so close. Like, either guy, you know, there's been a lot of minus 115, you know, these fights have been so close to call, and, and yeah. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of those fights on this card. But um, yeah, this this first one is very uh, tough for me to pick. You know, Augusto Sakai got knocked out in his last fight, and he uh, fought someone kind of similar to Tai Tuivasa in in the sense of Jarzinho has a lot of power on his hands. And uh, if this turns into a a firefight, I kind of like Tai Tuivasa's chances. But if Sakai can um, can use his some of his other skills, uh, I think. Um, I think he might be the more well-rounded guy in the fact that he's more durable. Um, he he uses um, more when it comes to his striking. But um, man, this, you know this is a this is a tough one to pick, man, because Tai Tuivasa has looked so good as of late. Uh, just knocked out Greg Hardy um, and has really turned the corner in terms of um, in terms of really uh, getting better, becoming more well-rounded. So this fight is tough for me to pick, but I think. Um, Man, this one's tough. I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, – this one's so tough. <laughs> oh, man. This That's why it's so minus tough. 110, minus 110. Yeah, this one is so tough, man. Uh, I thought, you know, me rambling that for that little second was going to – Give you know, me some clarity. Give me some clarity, but it definitely didn't. So I am going to go – you know, I'm going to go with uh, – Damn, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, I'm going with Shuey. I'm going with Tai Tuivasa, okay. man. Okay. Um, I was I'm gonna go. Uh, I feel like it's a bad omen for me to not pick the Shuey guy, given what's on the line. Um, I, I think that Augusta Sakai is the more skilled, well-rounded, smarter fighter. But if Absolutely. this goes into a big exchange, Tai Tuivasa is going to knock him out. That's the way I view this. Like, I, I, I you could get a very patient Sakai uh, that might win this thing by decision. Uh, but as soon as they start exchanging, I just feel like it goes massive advantage for Tuivasa. Um, and it's the heavyweight division. So, right. I mean, those those exchanges will happen more often than not. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, man. I thought we were going to be on the opposite side of this because I, I wanted to take Shuey with the Shuey on the line, to, you know, to maybe, <laughs> like, he takes the Shuey so I don't have to type thing. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go Sakai. I mean, I'm going to go Sakai. You know... You know, we could both take the the Shuey guy in the hopes that we bo- we tie, and then neither of us take the Shuey, or would we both take? the That's shoey? hilarious. Uh, we <laughs> haven't, you know what? We haven't had that discussion yet, but I feel like I feel like somebody has to take the Shuey at the end of this. Okay, and uh, if yeah. we tie, I vote Lauren Daniels take the Shuey. <laughs> That's fantastic. We, uh, we will spend the next week thinking about that scenario and just what what maybe what maybe what the tiebreaker somehow needs to be. 
Okay, but please don't tell her I said that. Okay, I won't. I, I, won't. I, I love yeah. the break and wrap jalapeno. Yeah, no more jalapenos for you <laughs> if, if uh, she gets wind of that. Actually, you know what? She might embrace it. Who knows? <laughs> she likes to have a good time. Uh, all right, uh, our next fight. So I'm, I'm going to take Sakai. We're on the opposite side of that. I feel, I, I actually don't like that side of the pick, even though I'm literally saying, like, that's the more skilled, well-rounded, smarter fighter. Um, all right, we go to the bantamweight division. This is an awesome matchup. Uh, one of my favorites in the UFC, Pedro Munoz, 19-6 and six overall. Dominic Cruz, former champion, 23-3 and three overall. Another one, Will, oddshark.com, minus 110, minus 110. Man, how I mean, how good is this card? The fact that this fight is on the prelims. Uh, yeah. But man, um, you know, Pedro has has you know taken the step up in competition. You know, he's he's beaten Cody Garbrandt. He's fought out to Main Sterling. Uh, you know, he's fought the who's who of the division. Uh, you know, he's coming off the loss to Aldo uh, in a fight that was uh, I think it was very eye opening for him. Uh, Aldo was able to kind of control him and. Uh, you could kind of see the, a little bit of a difference in power in that fight. Um, but I think, you know, in this one, this is a fight between two guys who are familiar. These are the guys who have trained together once before. Um, uh, crew says that they're friends outside of, uh, outside of the sport. So, uh, and these are two of the more, well, maybe not Cruz, but Pedro, of course, is one of the more likable guys in the entire UFC. But, um, yeah, this fight's going to be a good one, man. It, I think, what it boils down to to me is, um, you know, Cruz has been so inactive, but uh, can he get back to that elite level uh, of fighter that he once was? Um, and, you know, Pedro is still ascending. I still don't think we've seen the best of Pedro. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, just to be on the opposite side here, because uh, I know you're going to pick Pedro. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go Cruz. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I I want to pick Pedro, so I'm going to pick Pedro to be on the opposite side. But I. I... I just kind of feel like Dominic Cruz is not an easy guy to hit. And if, if the, like, I feel like Pedro's path is to knock him out. Like, I don't know that Pedro outpoints him because Pedro's defense isn't great. Like, he's going to get touched in this thing. And on the other side, Dominic Cruz is not an easy guy to get your hands on. So, I, Dominic Cruz was actually going to be the pick, but uh, I'm going opposite. And look, I, I, I love watching Pedro fight. So, uh, I'm going to go Pedro here. But yeah, I know there's a lot of inactivity. And I, I just, I, I think, you know, Pedro wants this to be a brawl. And that's his path. I, you know, I don't think he's going to out execute. Dominic Cruz in this fight, and I, I just I go I, I every time we watch Pedro, uh, he, he he gets hit like that's so even if Cruz isn't necessarily a threat to finish him, he's gonna pile up pile up points, and on the opposite side, you know I don't know that Pedro's gonna be able to pile up the same amount of points because Cruz is so awkward, right? Like, but yeah. like you said, they've trained together, so maybe maybe if anybody can kind of figure out that weird rhythm, uh, it's Pedro Munoz. This is gonna be a fun fight. I, I love this matchup. It's really intriguing. So. Uh, give me Pedro Munoz, opposite side, two for two. We have points up for grabs Saturday night. Right from the jump, man. Yeah. While I'm eat, while I'm eating cake and stuff for my birthday, I really hope that this <laughs> night doesn't get started out in such a in a, in a bad way. Yeah. So let's so we got it. We let's go uh, Chewy and let's go Cruz. Let's there go. We go. There we go. All right, feature prelim again. This is the third fight in a row that it's like, how is this not on a main card? It is the return of Josh Emmett after his. Uh, I think it was it Shane Burgos. The last yeah. time he fought in the Octagon, sensational performance. He's been out for well over a year now. Uh, Josh Emmett back in the Octagon, 16-2 and two overall. Dan Ige, 15-4 and four overall. Oddshark.com has Emmett as a minus 175 favorite, plus 145 for Dan Ige. You know, I think this fight would be a lot easier for me to pick if uh, Emmett hadn't been coming off the injury and hadn't had uh, this long layoff. Um, but I still think even with the inactivity, um, I still think that uh, Emmett has a, a big chance to win. Um, 
when it comes to uh, even if this is a firefight or if this becomes a technical fight, I think Image just has a lot of advantages. Uh, so um, Dan Ige is tough as hell. He's tough as nails. But um, I think that this is a Josh Emmett win for me. I'm going to go Josh Emmett as well. And uh, similar to what I felt about the Aldo Font fight, like to me, I just kind of feel like Josh Emmett's touches are going to be much more impactful than Danny Gay's touches. Like I think as that fight goes on, we'll notice a different, when, when Emmett hits Ige, you'll, you'll see more than the other way around. Absolutely, for sure. All right, so our first agreement is Josh Emmett over Danny Gay in the feature prelim of UFC 269. All right, here we go. It is main card time. We begin in the bantamweight division. It is Sean O'Malley, 14 and 1 overall. Uh, Rollian Paiva, 21 and 3 overall. Oddshark.com has O'Malley minus 310 plus 244 Paiva. So, you know, I, I'm kind of going to need to base my my pick off of uh, a previous fight. Uh, and and it was a it was a private win when he beat Kyler Phillips, you know I, that fight was really close, but I think that uh, Kyler Phillips um, that first round was a 10-8. Okay. Uh, Phillips was was really piecing him up and almost finished him on on a, a number of occasions. But just like with Santos and Guida, I think Kyler Phillips kind of gassed himself out trying to um, trying to finish the fight. And and props to Paiva for surviving, and props to Phillips for surviving those those last two rounds. That was but, a wild fight. Yeah, it was a wild fight. Um, but you know, I think that Sean O'Malley is very—he's—he's he's very uh, calculated with his strikes. He's not going to go out there just really chasing a finish. And I think that was really—we um, saw that on display when he fought um, Mutino. I mean, he was really piecing up Mutino for three rounds, and he could have chased the knockout, but he was being smart, and he didn't. He just, you know kept uh raining down punches and stuff and and then similar to the to the Almeida fight I mean he was raining down punches and then the finish presented itself and he and he and he took it but he's not going to uh really just overextend himself like Kyler Phillips did to try to get the finish so that's why um I think that um O'Malley with his length and his striking and everything I think it's going to present problems and with his finishing ability as well um he's not going to overextend himself but if it comes he's going to take it so I'm going uh with Sean O'Malley for sure Sean O'Malley for me as well. I do like the I, I like this matchup stylistically for O'Malley. I mean, Paiva is a guy that obviously isn't going to go away. Uh, you feel like he's kind of a busy guy and, and just a different sort of of matchup. Uh, you know, to to continue to see Sean O'Malley develop and see different types of fighters. Um, yeah, I, I like Sean O'Malley as well. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not even entertaining the other side of it, I guess. But I just think that Paiva the, the matchup itself to me is a little intrigue in terms of what it brings out from Sean O'Malley, I guess, if, if that makes sense. So uh, that one will be a fun one. All right, uh, let's see. We have Flyweights. Um, man, this is, again, another really intriguing matchup. Kai Kara France, 22-9 overall, and Cody Garbrandt moving down to Flyweight. He is 12-4 and four overall. Oddshark.com has Garbrandt at minus 140, plus 115 for Kai Kara France. Now there's just a lot of questions, you know, in this fight. There's so many questions, um, and it's all, it's all on Cody Garbrandt, man. It's like, um, how has the weight cut affected him? You know, we've seen even at 135, he didn't have the best chin. Um, uh, how does he look on the scales? You know, um, does he have the same speed and the same pop in his shots uh, at 125? There's just so many questions uh, when it comes to Cody Garbrandt, but but you just you know the skill level that Cody Garbrandt possesses. And if 
if everything is is if the stars are aligning and everything with the weight cut and stuff, and he comes out and, and he's that guy, uh, I think that this is going to be um, a tough fight for Kai Car France. But um, you know, I think that with Cody Garbrandt dropping down to 125, I think you know he's got to really, you know, he, at 135 he had the speed advantage, uh, and yeah. but with these flyweights, these guys are lightning quick, and he's going to have to. Uh, be very cautious of that when he's uh, exchanging, um, especially if his chin, you know, isn't uh, in the best shape. So as far as my pick, man, this one's tough. This one's really tough because there's so many questions uh, with Cody. I mean, if this uh, one was minus 110, minus 110, I wouldn't be shocked at all, right? Like, I, right, this absolutely. to me is a coin flip type fight. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the only reason why it's not is because Cody was was a champion and he's such a big star. Um but yeah, this this fight is uh, as close as it gets to me for me. That there's just so many questions. Um, man, man, this one's tough. I think uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm, man, you know I'm a I'm gonna go the, Cody. Hey, do you want the opposite side of my pick? I mean, I'll, I'll no, I, okay. I'm I'm just gonna go Cody, and okay. uh, we'll, we'll whatever you pick is you know whatever you pick. But I'm gonna go Cody, man. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Cody as well. Um, I think the chin is something that, you know, we're probably always going to bring up anytime he's against somebody that we've seen knock somebody out, right? Like Kaikar France had that crazy finish the last time we saw him in the octagon. Uh, you mentioned the speed. I, I think that's spot on. Cody had such a speed advantage. Kaikar France is about as, as quick as it gets in the flyweight division. So that's going to be neutralized. I do think there's a heavy power advantage, but I mean, you bring up the best question. It's what does this weight cut take out of Cody? Um, you know, the, the, the speed advantage is already going to, to be gone uh, here without even any change, right? Like Kaikara France, even without Cody dropping weight, is probably just as quick. But does he slow down even more with the weight cut? Does he lose some power with the weight cut? I just, I mean, I, I don't know how significantly this is going to impact. Uh, you know, it, 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 like Cody, Gar what we know Cody Garbrandt to be. To me, this is an easy Cody Garbrandt pick. But I mean, that this is uh, we're talking about 125 pounds, Will. Yeah. Like Mike, 125. I feel like my kid weighs 125 pounds. Like, <laughs> this is not a lot of weight. So like 10 pounds is pretty significant in terms of what it could potentially take out of you. Uh, but I, I think like what ultimately gives me the Garbrandt lean is I think the heart that he showed in the font fight the last time we saw him in the octagon. Um, you know, font was on his A game that night and we saw the very best of Rob font and Cody Garbrandt got beat up. But he never stopped. He kept coming. His chin was tested, and he kept coming. And uh, I think that probably eases a little bit more of my my questions in terms of the weight cut and the depletion. So I'm gonna go Cody Garbrandt as well. But I think this you know, is not, I think this is a coin flip fight. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you for sure. Kai Car France has a has a great chance to win this fight, especially with all the questions. But you know. On top of that, you know, in the last fight, Cody showed that he can that his grappling is really, really high level. Yeah. By being able to take Rob Font down, so uh, I think if he's able to maintain a, a power advantage at um, 125, I think that the wrestling could come into play if he's having issues on the feet. So that so that kind of makes me feel even better about the Cody pick. And this uh, uh, this potentially is a number one contender fight as well. I mean, oh yeah, way. especially for Cody. Yeah, especially I mean, if for Cody. Cody wins this, he is definitely getting the next title. But if Kaikar France wins it in impressive fashion, you know, Cody Garbrandt's a big enough name that potentially propels him to the top as well. All right, the return of Jeff Neal at the welterweight division. Jeff Neal, thirteen and four overall. Santiago Ponzinibbio, twenty-eight and four overall. Oddshark.com has Ponzinibbio as a minus one thirty favorite, plus one ten for Jeff Neal. Another fight that will is about as close to a coin flip as you get. Yeah, very, very close, man. Uh, 
you know, Ponzinibbio, uh, before his injury, was one of the best uh, fighters in the division. Comes back, gets knocked out by uh, Li Jingliang, and then um, re- rebounds off that, comes in with a big win over uh, Baeza, which was an incredible fight. You know, Jeff Neal was a, was one of the rising prospects in the division. Uh, he got beat by Wonderboy Thompson. He's had a lot of issue, a lot of health issues, and then he uh, fought Neil Magny, and Neil Magny kind of wiped him out. But uh, I think this is good matchmaking. Um, these are two guys who uh, are really kind of at the same um, at the same points in their careers. You know, I, w- I was more comfortable in picking Jeff Neal before his um, legal troubles came came about. But I, you know, with his legal troubles, <laughs> yeah. I, I just wonder. Uh, how much he's been able to focus on the fight and with camp and with the weight cut. I feel like that's just a lot that's just uh, weighing on his mind. Um, I don't feel like he's been able to really focus on the fight, so I'm going to uh, pick Santiago because of that. Yeah. Uh, for those that are unaware, Jeff Neal arrested on DWI and weapons charges. Um, what was it, last uh, last Friday or Saturday? I don't remember yeah. the day, but uh, yeah, five or six days ago. Um, but the news is it's not going to impact the the fight and the matchup. But yeah, I think you you were spot on. Like I look at these two guys, and and that part of it aside, I do feel like uh, Ponzinibbio is more well rounded. Um, you know, Jeff Neal. When you add the the long layoff, the health issues, kind of just trying to rediscover himself to a degree, I, I just think that as a fighter, Ponzinibbio is probably more comfortable with who he is as a fighter right now than Jeff Neal is. And I think Ponzinibbio is just more well rounded than Jeff Neal is, but, you know, Jeff Neal can certainly in this fight with one shot. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ponzinibbio for me, but this could be another good one. And, uh, again, I mean, we're full of fights that, like, to say that I couldn't see it going either way realistically, uh, you know, this is this is a fun fight card. Absolutely. Yeah, all, all these fights that we've that we've uh, ran off could go either way, even the O'Malley fight. I mean, the, and the odds are, are telling us that for sure. Yeah. All right, our co-main event is Amanda Nunes, the uh, some people say the goat of women's MMA, twenty-one and four overall. Juliana Pena finally, after calling out Amanda, gets her opportunity, uh, ten and four overall. Uh, Will I know that uh, these odds might intrigue you to take the underdog, get those bonus points, minus nine hundred for Amanda Nunes, plus five fifty for Juliana Pena. Now, um, I, I, you know these odds. Minus nine hundred, plus six hundred for for what would you say? Plus five. Plus five fifty. Plus five fifty, man. That's crazy. I mean, it just goes to show, man. Amanda Nunes, you know, she is the goat for a reason. But let me just say this about Pena. I think out of everyone, out of everyone that uh, Amanda Nunes has fought since she's uh, been on this run, I think Pena represents. She brings something to the table that nobody else really has been able to, and that's uh, her wrestling, her grappling. I yeah. think she has. I'm not going to say she has an advantage, but I think she could, if she can turn this into a grappling matchup and really tire out Amanda Nunes, then we could see um, Amanda Nunes face some adversity. But outside of that, I really don't see uh, another path uh, to victory for Pena. Uh, I mean, I think the striking is, uh, I think there's a very uh, substantial gap uh, for Nunes when it comes to striking. I think even grappling. Uh, is close, but I, w- I think I would favor Amanda. It, I think it just all depends on if Pena can get Nunez tired. Uh, but if that's not the case, then this is going to be a, 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 another easy win for for Amanda. Um, she, you know, Pena's a very strong grappler. She's t- she's taken down Shevchenko. She's taken down Jermaine Durand me. She's uh, submitted Sarah McMahon in her last fight. Um, but I think at this point, um, when it comes to fighting someone like Amanda Nunez, it's just, it's just going to be tough for her. If this fight would have happened... Um, 
like maybe five five or so years ago, maybe I would have felt better because Pena wasn't really on a tear back then. But you know, now with Amanda's championship experience and you know just all the big fights that she's been in, um, I don't think that this is going to be uh, much of a struggle for her. But you know, there's there is a small path for Pena, but I don't I don't really see it come to fruition. All that analysis to say there's no chance. I'm just saying, you know, I wanted, to say, I, I wanted to say something positive okay. about Pena because what I really wanted to say is this is going to be another easy win for, for Nunez. My pick is Nunez, and then just go on. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to give two words as my analysis for this fight. Amanda Nunez. There we go. Someone had to, had to throw Fair out, uh, had to put on the, the, the analyst hat Fair and enough. say something positive about Pena because we, yeah. we know what it is. Minus 900, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> you know you want to pull the trigger. Uh, no, 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 no. You know you do. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, Will, it is our main event, UFC Lightweight Championship on the line. Charles Oliveira, 13-8 and eight overall. Dustin Poirier, 28-6 and six overall. Oddshark.com has Dustin Poirier as a minus-170 favorite, plus-140 for Charles Oliveira. First, before you break this down, uh, thoughts on those odds? Is that about where you thought it would be or, or different? Yeah, I, I think this is uh, about where I thought it would be. Um... You said minus one seventy. Minus one seventy for Dustin, plus one forty for Charles Dubronx. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, it could have been a little closer, but uh, you know, I think off the weight of what Dustin Poirier has done in his last three fights, uh, I, and I think that this is uh, pretty good with with the odds. Um, but I, I think they're still kind of giving Oliveira respect, you know, because it could be wider. But um, especially after the, how the fight was going with Chandler, so. Yeah, I think that uh, the odds are pretty pretty fair on this one. I I honestly thought the odds would be wider, but yeah. I think the odds should be more narrow. Like I think this right. is a closer fight than the odds represent, but I thought the odds would have a wider gap just because again, it just kind of feels like you know Dustin is is has turned into a superstar in this sport, and the two wins over Connor have really propelled him to a whole different stratosphere. And you know, for a lot of people, Charles Oliveira is still the you know, the guy that was uh, up and down in his career. And, and you know, this is a lightweight division that has had so many big names. And, I mean, you just look at the guys behind these two guys, right? Like, there's not a there's not a drop-off in terms of fight caliber or star power. Like, this, this top 10 is loaded with star power. And Charles Oliveira, arguably, is has probably the least amount of star power of anybody in the, like, top seven or eight. Like, that's that's how loaded this division is. And I think that's why he's so downplayed. Oh yeah, definitely agree. Uh, Charles Oliveira kind of came out of nowhere when it comes to this this title picture. Um, we were all thinking about, you know, of course Khabib was the champion, but we were all thinking about Poirier and Gaethje and Connor. You know, Michael Chandler had just signed. You know, everyone was thinking about them. And and while you give respect to Charles for the run that he was on, you know, nobody really thought like, okay, Charles Oliveira is not really gonna become right. UFC champion. Like like, come on now. But you know, he's here. You know, he's he made it. He he won. He's won all the big fights. Um, I remember picking against him in the Tony Ferguson fight. I remember uh, picking against him in the Kevin Lee fight. You know, I just thought uh, those guys just had an advantage. You know, we've seen Charles Oliveira break, but Charles Oliveira has really grown. And like you said, he's not the same guy that he was five years ago. He's grown. He's a, he he's improved in so many ways. His striking, uh, his grappling, like everything has been uh, much improved. His even his mentality. You, you have to give him credit for how far he's come, and he's the champion now, so we have to give him respect. Yeah, he uh, he last lost on December 2nd, 2017 to Paul Felder. Since then, went over uh, Clay Guida, uh, Gallegos, Jim Miller, uh, David Teamer, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. 
now while while the first part of those names, you know, some of those names people may not know a lot of, a lot about, but you know, you heard names like Clay Guida, Jim Miller, veterans of the game. 2018 Clay Guida, 2018 Jim Miller as well. Like let's also, you know, for as much as somebody may want to downplay where those guys are at now, and I'm not trying to suggest that Clay Guida was in his prime in 2018, but certainly much closer to it than he is today. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, let's talk about where Dustin or where Charles Oliveira was at that point. He's not the guy that he was today, but right. he was building. Right. So that was a very close, interesting fight, both of those. And you know, he's winning these fights, and then of course, you know, people really start to notice him in the Kevin Lee fight. But you know, there's there's a way out. There's the you know, well, Kevin Lee missed weight. You know, there's this and that. And then you know, he fights Tony Ferguson. You know, then you really have to think like you have to acknowledge how good that Charles Oliveira has really become when he beats a guy like Tony Ferguson in the fashion that he did. And then. Uh, the Michael Chandler fight, man, he he was like, like, like I said earlier, man, he really showed that his mentality has really taken a jump because there was a time when he would have just given in. But now he rebounded off of a off of a terrible first round, even though he almost got a submission. He rebounded off of getting dropped twice and ended up finishing the fight. So Charles Oliveira, you got to give him credit. He is a he is a threat. I mean, but you can't really call him a threat because he's the champion. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah, Charles Oliveira, he's one of the best fighters in the world, man, and we got to start treating him like that. I mean, I remember I said Stipe and Volkanovski were the most underappreciated champions that we had. I think Oliveira definitely now is that guy. 100%. And I feel like for me, the turning point with him, and maybe it was sooner, but the Tony Ferguson fight to me was the first, like, really big opportunity uh, against a guy, like, for as much as, you know, again, you can kind of look at where Tony is now. Like, Tony had, had just lost the Gaethje fight, but Tony Ferguson was still at the top of the food chain in the 155 division. And it's not just that he won that fight, Will, but, like, he punished Tony Ferguson for the yeah. entirety of that fight. And it just felt like there was a a confidence to him that we'd never seen before. It felt like there was a, like, I'm going to dominate this guy to him that we had never seen before. Like, that's the vibe I got. Like, I never really felt like, for as good as he'd been, and he, he, you know, he, he continued to get better throughout that win streak, like, that was the fight where I just felt like he believed, like, I'm the much better fighter here, and I'm going to go dominate this dude. Yeah, and he, and he was saying all of that in the lead-up. I mean, he yeah. was being respectful and everything, but he was, he was showing that confidence that, like, I'm the better guy, like, I deserve a title shot, you know. And at the time, you know, you're thinking, like, you're not going to get a title shot off of beating Kevin Lee, a, a guy who just missed weight and stuff, but... He had the confidence right after that, uh, after that Kevin Lee win, calling for a title shot, um, took the fight against Ferguson on short notice and made, made the weight and had a dominant performance against Tony Ferguson, shut him out for three rounds, almost finished him on numerous occasions. So, um, yeah, Charles Oliveira is a player, man. Uh, we, can't, we can't continue to say, like, oh, he's going to break. We can't keep thinking of him as the 2016 version. I agree of Charles Oliveira. Like, this is a new guy. He is the champion, and we've got to start act. We've got to start treating him like it. I, you know, and, and to that same point, I, Dustin Poirier has proven, you know, he's a different guy than he was. Uh, you know, I, going into the, the Connor rematch, like, all the conversation was about how Dustin used to be, and he's clearly a different fighter now. I, I do wonder, three fights in 2021, this will be his third fight in 12 months, three fight camps, and this is a guy that, you know, there, there's the conversation out there. Like, he... he he really has some pretty tough weight cuts at 155. Third time he's doing it in a year. Does that play any sort of role in this fight? Maybe. I, you know, I'm not for sure because Dustin is such a professional man. Uh, a lot of a lot of times, like he's never had any issues uh, making weight. Like he'll like he'll acknowledge in interviews, like man, these weight cuts that you know they get tough. But on but on fight day, like Dustin Poirier is as savage of a human as that that there is. So. Um, 
you know, we can say like this is his third, you know, weight cut in, in 2021, and and that might play a factor. Uh, you know, we never know. It, we got to see how the shots, how Oliveira's shots are affecting him. But I think just based off of history, um, I think Poirier, uh, you know, is a is a professional. He cuts weight professionally. He doesn't uh, necessarily kill himself. I think he does it uh, in all in the right way. And uh, you know, this is this isn't his first championship fight. You know, and the the magnitude of this fight uh it, it doesn't uh it doesn't compare i mean of course the titles on the line but it doesn't it doesn't compare to to the conor mcgregor fights so th- these are um things that he's been there and seen before so i think the moment will feel familiar for him and um and it may not be this that same way for for charles Oliveira. but you know i think that like i said i think dustin's just familiar with this now man so uh as far as the weight cut i'm not i don't think it'll play much of a of a factor in this one all right man let's hear it what do you think? So, you know, this boils down to, you know, as much as I, as we've talked about, you know, Oliveira's mindset, you know, I just think that Poirier's championship um, resume, like the people that he's fought and the people that he's beat and, and high pressure moments and high pressure situations. I mean, we, I don't even, I don't even know the full list, but I can name off like former champions, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Ifa Khabib, uh, Max Holloway. I mean, so many championship caliber fighters that he's fought and that he's beat. And while Charles Oliveira is very good, and even if Charles Oliveira isn't able to um, to withstand five rounds with Dustin Poirier, I don't think that that means that Charles Oliveira is is weak minded or anything. I just think that means that Dustin Poirier is just that dude. Yeah. So um, my picks gonna go with Dustin, man. I think all his his career is leading up to this to this moment. Um, you know, after he lost to Khabib, you know, I don't think many of us thought that he would get this chance again because one, we didn't know how long Khabib was going to be champion. And since he retired, I think, you know, everyone acknowledged that, all right, Dustin Poirier is that guy. And, and sure, he chased um, the money fights, bet on himself, chased the money fights with McGregor. Uh, he's a much richer man. But I think despite all the money that he's got, his main goal is to be, is to be the world champion. And he said that many times. I mean, of course he wants to provide for his family. That's why he took the, the McGregor fights first. But he knew, but he bet on himself. He knew how good he is. So uh, I think all, all, all the fights that he's had, man, I mean, and this is a guy that we've both seen from, from the beginning, man. Like we've seen back when he was bald-headed and uh, <laughs> when he would talk shit to people. And, you know, we've seen him fight Conor McGregor. We think we've seen him uh, get knocked out. We've seen him get knocked out by Michael Johnson when he was on his way up. But he's always picked himself back up and, and always come back. And, and I think this is the this is the time where he's actually going to break through and become world champion. I think he's the best lightweight in the world at this moment. All right. Um, so I I uh, I kind of gone back and forth a little bit in terms of this this matchup, what I would ultimately do, and I think this matchup is close enough that had I not cut into the lead the way that I did over the last two weeks, I was fully pre- because I figured you would take Dustin. I was fully prepared to take Charles uh, for the sake of points. Um, just cause I feel like there's a reasonable shot that he could win this. I, I think this goes one of two ways. Like I think it's either um, Charles Oliveira getting a submission win or it's Dustin Poirier getting a late finish or a decision victory. Like that's just kind of the way I see this fight going. Um, you know, I think we've seen that Dustin has become a very patient fighter and, um, you know, Dustin's been through so many wars 
that that's kind of, if this thing goes late in the rounds, not that I think Charles Oliveira is going to wilt. I just think that we've seen Dustin in the wars to know that like, you're still going to get him at his very best in the later rounds. And that's just the difference to me. I, I don't think that it's uh, like you said, something where we just think that Charles Oliveira has the quote unquote quit in him. Um, it just, you, you look at Dustin and Max going the distance. You look at all the damage he took against Gaethje and coming back and winning. And, you know, the Dan Hooker fight and all of the damage that was exchanged in that fight. And it goes the distance. Like, the guy can take a lot of damage throughout the course of a fight. That's why I think, like, Oliveira's going to have to get the submission win if it's if it's going to be Charles Oliveira within the distance. Otherwise, you know, I think over the course of five rounds, Dustin's been in so many wars. I, th- I think he just comes out on the better end of uh, that kind of fight, and uh, I'm going to go and new lightweight champion of the world, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, man, and and it's not like we're trying to disrespect Charles Oliveira, but I think we're just uh, both on the side of we've seen so much of Dustin in these spots, in in these moments, and uh, we've always seen him rebound. Like the Dan Hooker fight was a fight he was down two rounds in, and he won the last three. Uh, Gaethje, it was a fight where he was probably down on the scorecards, and, and he uh, ended up getting the finish. Like, we've seen uh, Dustin in these later rounds uh, really just um, really just take it upon himself to to take those steps to get to, uh, to win this fight. So, and with Charles, we've seen, kind of seen the same thing, but we haven't really seen him in the, in the fire at this level, if that makes sense. Well, you know? here's a stat. I don't know if you're aware of this. Charles Oliveira has never fought in championship rounds. See, Charles Oliveira perfect, has perfect never point. been in the in the fourth round of a UFC fight. Yeah, so so we don't know. We have no he idea. He might what be amazing. Like. He might, but like it's might, a, right. But it's a question mark. Whereas with Dustin, you know, he's built to go the the full twenty five. Absolutely, yeah. and and while Charles is is good, and we we acknowledge that, we know how good he is. I mean, that is that is a big deal. The fact that he's never fought. Uh, in yeah. the championship rounds, that is a big deal, and the fact that he's the champion. Uh, but he he has finishing ability. Like he can finish this fight early. Like whether it's with the strikes, whether it's with the submissions, uh, Charles will is very capable of finishing this fight. But I think with how patient that Dustin is, I'm not sure that those moments will present themselves early, especially in the first round. I really yeah. think that Dustin he really eases into these fights. And like I think that was something that Connor had a had a really big problem with. Like, Dustin's easing into these fights, but Connor wants a firefight. Like Connor's trying to counter. He's a he's a great counter striker. So so Connor's like, damn, I gotta do something to really make him uh, uh you know attack me. But Dustin just stayed patient, and I think that's one of the things that we've uh grown that we've seen from Dustin in these fights. Like he's he's grown into a championship caliber fighter, and it, just even though he's not been the champion, he's been interim champion. But even though he's not been the, the undisputed champion. Like we've seen the championship pedigree that he uh, yeah. that he shows in every fight, so it it's going to be a good fight, man. Great. I really think, even though that Charles hasn't been in the championship rounds, I think that Charles um, is very capable of still putting on a, a great performance. But I just think we've yeah. seen too much of Dustin. Agreed. There's just there's an obvious difference in this matchup being a championship fight and what Dustin has been through versus the question mark about Charles Oliveira that I think you can lean that way, but. Again, when we started this, I said it just kind of feels like everybody's already crowned Dustin Poirier as the next champion at lightweight. I think that's very dangerous because this is a, a current champion that uh, is is not a walkthrough by any means. And I think I think it's going to be a great fight, honestly. Like I think if I had to guess, like what happens, I'm going to say Dustin Poirier decision. Like I think it's going to be a really good fight that goes all the way. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that, man. I mean, 
you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, I think Dustin finishes it in the, you know, in the later rounds, which I think that's only because we haven't seen Charles right. in the in the later rounds. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I kind of see Dustin being able to finish it in the later rounds, but uh, I think I'm leaning more towards a decision. But um, e- either way it goes, I think we'll see a fantastic fight uh, for whether it's 25 minutes or 20. I mean, I think we'll just we're just gonna see some high high level MMA, and you know, I love a good chess match, and yeah. I think that this is going to represent that for sure. What a badass fight card! Final pay per view of 2021 UFC 269 on Saturday night. Will Brewer's birthday, by the way. So if you uh, if you want to tweet him a happy birthday, uh, feel free to do that over the next uh, few days leading up to Saturday. Will after Saturday we have one fight card left. Um, this is a pretty good one. We'll we'll get into it next week, but uh, everything's on the line next week, buddy. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the weekend and seriously, happy birthday, man. Uh, I appreciate you, my brother. And you know I can't go through this show without wishing you a happy birthday. I know. Uh, I'm not sure how you're feeling, man. You just got out of your 30s into your 40s now. Great, man. Uh, Never felt better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's you know there's some people yeah. who kind of say when they get out of their 30s, oh my god, I'm 40, my life is over. But you know, I'm glad you know you're embracing it. Uh, happy birthday to you, man. Uh, pleasure. It's been a pleasure doing this show with you. Absolutely. I, but I, I really, really hope that you are the one that's doing the shoey, <laughs> despite <laughs> all these good things that we're saying. Yeah. I really hope it is you that's doing the shoey. Yeah. Well, uh, look, somebody might be doing a shoey on Saturday night, but we're going to have to <laughs> wait another week before it's one of us. Uh, tied to Ivasa. Uh, I, I hope he's not doing a shoey because that means I'm getting points. So, um, yeah, no, man. No, no, no. Let, let's hope Ty gets the shoey, man, for I, sure. I know you want that. I know you want that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, we will catch up again next weekend. Uh, obviously, we'll be uh, we'll be hollering over the weekend. But uh, again, happy birthday, UFC 269 on your birthday. Saturday is going to be fantastic. What an awesome fight card, and uh, I-, I can't wait. It's going to be a great night of fights from start to finish. Um, even the early prelims are uh, are stacked. So um, if you're a fight fan, get to the uh, get to your TV. Watch this these fights from the from the jump. They're going to be incredible. It's going to be a great night of fights, man. Amen, brother. That is Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. Uh, again, tune in UFC 269 on Saturday. We'll be back next week. Everybody have a great uh, great day, great week. Good luck. Podcast is over.